Well, that being said, let's go ahead and transition to the um, to the main point of this podcast series. I thank you again for just sharing a little bit more about your story and about who you are. I think it's super important uh, for our listeners just to get some context of who you are, where you've come from. And now we can really get into the good stuff. Well, I, I guess the good stuff isn't really the best way to word it, but the, the stuff. Get into the, <laughs> get into the stuff. Um, That's right. Let's talk about what happened, and I, w- I would love to hear it from your perspective. You know, it's the the events with George Floyd and just everything surrounding that. And so, I would love to hear it from your perspective. So, in your opinion, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems like a a situation where um, you know, a black man who was not a perfect saint by any stretch of the imagination. And I I never want people to think that wanting justice for George Floyd means that he, that we believe that he was perfect or that there was, you know what I mean? It's not about that. Um, But it, it seems, it sounds like just that situation was where he was perceived as a threat even though he wasn't a threat. Mm. Um, and so because he was perceived as a threat, um, then you have a situation where, you know, he's being kneeled on to apprehend him as if he's a threat. When in reality, he, he wasn't a threat. Just, you know, you watch the video and you, you hear the stories, you are like, that doesn't sound like this guy was a threat. Um, it sounds like he might've, he might've been doing something minorly wrong that required, yeah. you know, to have a confrontation with the police, uh, but it doesn't sound like he was a violent threat. Um, yeah. and so, but because he was black and because he was a man, now, you know, when you got a black man, well, now he's, you know, based on your own bias, well, now he's perceived as a threat. And so we have to treat him as a threat before he does something to us and we're too slow to react. And now it's my life that's being taken. And so um, and so it just sounds like it was one of those things where an internal bias that he was perceived as a threat. You wind up kneeling on him and apprehending him. And and then, uh, you know, just but. Yeah, I mean, even get, trying to give all the benefit of the doubt, you you see a situation where someone says, I can't breathe, you know, and you continue dealing on them. And I think that's where the outrage comes from, right? We've, we've, that's, I think that if this had, maybe, maybe if this had just been another instance of a, of a shooting even that just it feels different they're both awful none of them should happen but this just felt different it felt it was long and it was drawn out and so i anyways i not talking about the specific event as much but i i i think what you've seen from our country over the past uh, couple of weeks is you've seen um people standing up and saying like enough is enough um yeah. right it's not as if george floyd was the only black person in recent history to be killed by police officers in a situation where lethal force just wasn't necessary right that's been happening yeah. a lot unfortunately but it was just such a brutal and heartbreaking thing to watch unfold i think something's just snapped in our country and around the world and we're seeing a united effort to put an end to racism yeah i'll liken it to i'll liken it to like uh to, to like there there's always there's an inciting 
never-ending incident where something just snaps, wrong things happen for long periods of time, and then something happens and just it snaps, yeah. right? It's Rosa Parks, right? That yeah. just that was one of those situations where for some reason it just captured the hearts of the nation and boom, the civil rights thing is go is off to the races, right? So yeah. um so I think that's what you're seeing is 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 a reaction of people saying enough is enough. Yeah. You know, racism just isn't okay. And we're not going to stand around and just let it happen anymore and just go, Oh, that's such a sad story. It just feels like people are ready to like, okay, well let's see what we can do to fix it. Can we fix this? You know? Yeah. Um, And so I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned this and I would, I would absolutely agree with you and say that racism is wrong, but I think for the sake of the conversation and for the sake of, I just think it's always healthy to explore, to not just say something for the sake of saying it or just believe something blindly. So uh, for the sake of that conversation, we would say racism, racism is wrong, but why is it wrong? Yeah, that's such a, that's such a good question. I feel like it's, you know, that's such a good question. All right. So I think, I think that racism is ultimately rooted in a few places. Um, I'm sure these aren't the only three, but they are three that I'll mention. Um, and this is just kind of my opinion on why racism is wrong and, and where it's rooted. So first I think racism is rooted in pride. Um, like the only reason it would matter that someone else's skin color is different than yours is if one skin color is better than another in your eyes, right? And so when someone looks in the mirror at their skin color and puffs out their chest because their pigmentation is light rather than dark, Mm -hmm. I think we're looking at a pride issue here, right? In a a misplaced sense of true identity as well. But, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit later, I think. Um, But I think pride is that first reason that racism is wrong is because it's just it's just very prideful for you to be looking for ways to puff yourself up like that um i think you know the second reason that i would list is i think greed um i think greed for power plays a role because when your interest is to elevate yourself as highly as possible here on earth and you're looking for any reason to feel justified yeah. in holding as much power as possible and so i think that's where a lot of racism is historically stemmed from as well as that greed for power, greed for wealth, and just wanting to do what justify whatever you have to in order to have as much as you can this side of eternity. Um, so mm. I think pride, I think greed, um, and then I also think, um, and I, I don't know that we we talk about this one as much, but I think unforgiveness plays an enormous role in racism. Um, I think unforgiveness plays a really important role because you know I was, I was reading a post from Facebook group uh, the other day. And a guy shared how he had been attacked and robbed by two black men a few years ago and how he had been able to forgive them and not hold that experience over every other black person he encounters. Right. And I think that a lot of other people just aren't able to do that. Right. So because they're of the unforgiveness that's rooted in their own heart, when something when they have a bad experience with someone uh, who's black or of any minority, they then hold unforgiveness toward that person and then extenuate that one experience to everyone else, right? And yeah. it just it clouds the way that they see the entire group of people. And so I think unforgiveness plays a really important role in racism too. And it's where a lot of that kind of stems from. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I would definitely I would definitely agree, especially on the greed part. I think I think racism stems from a place of both pride and greed uh and i think it comes ultimately rooted when i look at like over the course of history and you look at you know racism and and prejudice it's it's 
from from what I can see, it stems from a place of like elevating yourself to a kind of almost like this Tower of Babel. It's like who's going to be closest mm-hmm. to God? Who's going to yep. be closest to? Um, you look at Caesar, and you look at these people who elevate themselves as this otherworldly superiority supremacy, for lack of better words. You know, right. um, that's why white supremacy is a thing. It's this elevation that somehow. I am godlier than you, whether that's whether that's God in Christian religion or otherwise. You know, it's I am more righteous than you are. And because I'm more righteous, you should serve me, which rooted in that pride and rooted in that self-exaltation. Um, but then greed as a means to expand and to make yourself more powerful out of your pride, it go, it seeps into greed because you want to expand your resources and your control and to show yourself as more powerful as um, and really, I think that would almost come from a place of insecurity, too, because it's to show yeah. yourself as more powerful. And so you you try to recapture this image of, you know, I think of like Xerxes from the um, from the what was that world called? The Peloponnesian. Is it the Peloponnesian War when the, you know, uh, Persia fights Greece? I don't remember the name of the war. <laughs> let's let's call it that. Yeah, it's that, yeah. it's most famous known as you know the war that is fought in three hundred. If you ever saw that movie, but that was an actual oh yeah yeah, yeah for it was sure a for historical sure. war that happened where Greece is against uh, Persia and and Xerxes is is this is this king, Persian king who's just he's seen like as a god among men, and yeah. I think racism stems from this inner desire to be exalted to this place as this god among men, whether you acknowledge it, realize it or not. And through that is to have be seen as other people as as um, to be given what you want, basically. And so I think there's a lot of things that's it's rooted in. Um, but I would say for those things, I would say that it is wrong because, well, at least from a biblical standpoint, God acknowledges ethnicity as sacred. And so it violates that. And I was actually, I was just, I was thinking a lot through this this past week. I was like, okay, let's think of multiple avenues and not just biblically. Um, not that I don't think the a biblical viewpoint is is not rational by any means, but it requires you to have a, it requires you to have faith and a a higher power is your authority. And so I'm trying to think, what if you don't have a higher power as an authority? I think of like an atheist, for example, who does who doesn't believe in in a higher power or in God or or in in any theistic worldview. Why is racism wrong for them? And I think it just comes from a basic inherent value to cherish human life, and human life should be cherished no matter if it's, it's a human life. And if you cherish human life, it it shouldn't matter what that life looks like, whether it's uh, white, black, Asian, whatever, you know, it's, it's just to cherish human life. So I don't, I don't know. I, it's a, that's a conversation. I'm thinking out loud as I say it, but, um, thinking out loud while I say it. Um, and we can, we can circle back around to that, to why racism is wrong. Um, but you know, even even to those who are listening, if you're listening to this podcast, and I want to know your opinion, why do you think racism is wrong? You can follow yeah. follow us on Twitter or Instagram 
or Facebook at SLJ Ministries and feel free to just comment on when we make a post about this. We would love just to know why do you think racism is wrong? Um, going back to a, another question uh, that I was going to start circling back around to the events of George Floyd and the police officer that uh, that murdered him. Uh, do you believe personally that the police officer was racist? Yeah. I mean, 100%. And the reason that I, that I believe that is because, uh, again, this idea of like you, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the only reason that George Floyd, that he killed George Floyd was because he was a racist. I'm not, I don't know enough about the situation to say that, but I will say like, I, I just, I, it seems very clear that to apprehend someone the way that he did with the force that he did, um, you have to believe, given the situation, you have to believe that that person is a threat, uh, even though they haven't done or said anything, they haven't done anything that is remotely threatening. Um, and so I, I believe 100% that the, the officer who apprehended George Floyd uh, and wound up killing George Floyd was a racist. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And now, with that being said, I don't know his heart. I don't know his heart. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I never talked to the dude. I never will. Right. But just based on the situation, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that definitely seems like what happened. Yeah, no, that, that's okay. Um, I don't know how true this is. I just, you know, saw it flippantly out of nowhere. Um, but does it change? Does it change your perspective? Apparently the officer, his name is, when you get this right, Derek Chauvin, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Apparently, mm-hmm. his wife is Asian, and she was a pageant runner, Miss something, Miss, I don't remember, Miss whatever state, Miss Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, but she was a pageant, pageant queen, and apparently she's Asian. And I don't know how true that is. Uh, I didn't actually do my research on that before saying this. But um, do you think that if it is true that if his wife is Asian, do you think that somehow changes whether he's racist or not? Not really. Um, and the reason I say not really is because, uh, you know, you can be you can be racist without being a white supremacist. So yeah. I don't necessarily think that he's a white supremacist, but um, or I think that would that would hint toward the fact that he's not a white supremacist, but you can still be racist against one particular group of people, and yeah. that, that seems to be the case. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was, I think, very some something very similar. I think the point of is that being racist doesn't necessarily mean you hate everyone that's not white or un American or not American. It can mean that yeah. if you're a supremacist, but usually racism being racist means you are prejudiced towards a specific race a specific ethnicity and you're specifically prejudiced towards those people so yeah and i would agree with you i don't i don't think it changes whether he's racist or not i think he's racist and i think that he's racist against black people um yeah i think apparently the day before george floyd's murder his wife actually uh filed charges for divorce and so i i wonder i'm just thinking like behind the scenes i'm thinking what's going through this guy's mind as all this stuff is going on i wonder how does that play does that play into you know his aggression and the brutality that the stuff going on in his personal life does that feed into that i don't know i don't know these just random questions i'm asking out loud (laughs) all, all of that is important right because because it's so easy to look at someone and go Oh, well, they're just a callous monster who's always who just at baseline is always like this. Right. But yeah, recognizing that most everyone is human um, and, and every, that everyone has a story and that doesn't excuse by any stretch 
what happened or what he did to George Floyd. But I do think in terms of coming to a place of, of forgiveness, which we talked about a little earlier, yeah. um, I think it, in terms of coming to a place of reconciliation and wanting justice, not revenge, I mm-hmm. do think it's important to like recognize that like people do sinful things because they're sinful, but we're also broken and hard things happen. And so, you know, just recognizing that there's, there might be, there was probably something going on there um and that that's worth noting it doesn't excuse it it was still wrong still has to deal with the consequences but you know i think that's that's good stuff to know yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, my next question for you is, you know, going back, we kind of asked the question, like, why is racism wrong? And, you know, maybe one of these days I want to try to get someone who's like an atheist on this podcast maybe they can answer this question from their worldview yeah. just because that would be that would be fascinating to me but obviously both of us are most of our worldview is is formed by the bible so what why what do you think the bible and your perspective what does the bible have to say about these issues of of racism and prejudice prejudice and stuff like that where where do you find the bible informs these things yeah, I mean, I mean, the New Testament, I think, is pretty clear, you know, that there's there's really no room for racism in the kingdom. Um, Jesus absolutely shocked his Jewish peers over and over again by reaching out to people of quote unquote enemy racial groups. You know, he demonstrated by his actions and by his parables that the new covenant he was establishing was about treating every individual with love. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Acts 10. Um, where Peter discovers that the way of God is now one of inclusion and diversity. So I think that people often get a little bit confused about what the Bible has to say about racism um, because they don't separate the old covenant and the new covenant. Um, and so I think there's maybe some confusion there when you when you uh, look at stuff that happened in the Old Testament, but you don't have the context for it and you don't understand that that's not the covenant we're under now. Um, yeah. But the new covenant that we're under now is incredibly clear that because of Christ's work on the cross, uh, we don't judge other people based on the color of their skin. Um, and so, and, uh, another thing on, on kind of the Bible and Christianity and what informs my worldview, you know, an enormous thing for my whole perspective on racism, um, but also every other area of life itself it is the gospel. Like I'm an, I'm a huge believer that our best response to any situation is going to come when we see it through the lens of the gospel. Mm. Um, and so while I don't think a gospel lens always directs us with specific actions, um, I think that when we see clearly, that'll inform our response and our opinions and our actions. And so I'm just a big believer in, and okay, I, I have my own lens that I see the George Floyd situation. I see that through my own lens. But but when I put on when I when I put on a gospel lens and I see how the gospel reflects this situation, um, I think that that's a better way for me to for me to react and respond. Mm. And so you know, go into that a little bit more. What does the gospel have to say about this? Like, what what to you is the gospel, and how does that inform how you see this situation? Yeah, you know, uh, two two things that I'll, I'll point out. Um, and, uh, and the first one is, you know, that in the context of, of the gospel, God places an enormous value on justice, huge value on justice. Um, that's why Jesus had to come in the first place, because the penalty for sin had to be 
paid. Had mm. to be paid. Justice had yeah. to be served. Well, let's let's even right? uh, let's back up even a little bit more just to give like even other people context. What to you? This is a conversation I've been having a lot recently. This is like my perspective on this concept has grown a little bit in this past year. Actually, past two years. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say it's changed. I would just say it's been sharpened a little bit. But um, for those listening, like, what is the gospel? You know, what is the gospel? You know, we say like the gospel yeah. is, says of this about justice, but what is the gospel? So, yeah, it's 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 basically this this reality. It's the reality of the world we live in, um, and the story of the world we live in that that. God created human beings, perfect, loved us, wanted to have relationship with us perfectly. Um, but we decided that we wanted to live our own life and do things our own way. And so we sinned and that separated the relationship that we can have with the God of the universe because he's holy and cannot tolerate sin. And so because we're separated from God, now humanity is in this cycle where we live uh, in a way that's not in our own best interest or the best interest of others around us. And so uh, because we're in this self-destructive pattern and because we have these sinful tendencies in the sin nature, um, God stepped in to the pages of history. And rather than allowing us to deal with the consequences of our own actions, he put on, he decided to sacrifice uh, his own son for the sake of our benefit. And so basically the gospel is that the ju- like God had to pour out wrath for the sin of, of the world, for our individual sin. Like it had to be paid. The price had to be paid for it because sin is bad and God can't tolerate it. And he has, he's a just judge. He has to pay the penalty for it or the penalty has to be paid for it. But rather than saying, well, you dealt, you know, you dealt it. So you deal with the penalty for this. Uh, he was kind enough in his overwhelming love to pay the penalty himself. Um, and, and that when we believe in Jesus, that the penalty for our sin is paid. And so there's not only justice for our sin, but there's also reconciliation with God and then access to the God of the universe where we can then discover the fullness of what life was meant to be both here and in eternity. And so that's kind of in a nutshell what the gospel is. Mm, yeah, I love that. I think where, where mine has, uh, was shifted a little bit because I would I would definitely agree with you. My But my perspective on the gospel has shifted uh, a little bit, or I guess just sharpened, because this is this isn't necessarily something I didn't believe before. It's something I've always believed, but I've just put more focus on a on a slight shift in in this. Which is when I talk about the gospel, I've I've started to change. I've started to make it a lot more about uh, community and like what we can do, what we are doing together, and less about like an individual person. Cause usually it's the perspective of like, you know, you have sinned and you're separated from God. Whereas for me, I, I always present the gospel that these days is, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And with that, he created humanity and God reigns over the heavens. And he, he called humanity to reign over the earth to reflect the image of God and they were to reign and to govern the earth as a reflection of God. But we chose to, we chose to be selfish. We chose to trust in our selfish nature and we chose that we wanted to trust in our wisdom. And when we did that, not only were we separated in our relationship with God, but heaven and earth were separated from each other. And so ever since that moment, like God had been is seeking humanity to re- to make right what was made wrong and that was his ultimate call is to empower us to make right what was made wrong he wants that relationship mended and restored and so he continued to re- to reach out through humanity mm. and he said hey you know what you're going to be the he's going to show favor on people like abraham it says you know what you are going to be the light 
uh, you're going to be the the light that reflects my light. You're going to be the city, the nation that reflects who I am to the world so that they can see that there's something messed up in this world and it's not the way it's supposed to be. And so he consistently puts the call on humanity to trust in his wisdom and consistently puts it on them to reflect his love and to make things right. But we couldn't do that in and of ourselves. The whole point is that as history went on, God was showing his people that we cannot make them fix these wrongs. We can't right these wrongs in our strength. We can't fulfill our purpose to reign over the earth and reflect the image and reflect how God reigns over the heavens. We can't do that in our strength. We need help. And so in order to make that right, in order to make that happen, Jesus came and died to make a way so that we could be liberated from the selfishness within our heart. And then by making a way, he made a way for the Holy Spirit, God himself, to empower each of his people so that the kingdom of God dwells within each of his people and that then they can make a way and partner with God to prepare the world for when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, not only would God and humanity be be reunited, but heaven and earth are reunited and that the kingdom of God is here and that we're working to make that happen. A place where every, where it says every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every person, every age, gender, ethnicity would dwell together in the kingdom of God. And so the reason why we need that is because if we're still living in our selfishness, then when the kingdom of God, it, it dwells and when the kingdom of God is here, those who are not liberated from it, who don't have the kingdom of God within them, they aren't going to be part of it because God doesn't want to repeat Genesis all the way over again. He doesn't want to repeat. He doesn't want that repeated. We're not going to just go in this big cycle again. And so if you're not following God, if you don't have the kingdom of God within you, then you're going to be separated from it when it's fully established in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've, my perspective's changed. Not that it hasn't changed because I still fully embrace the uh, personal relationship with God, fully embrace the necessity for us to be liberated from our sin. But these days I've found it's been way more encouraging to me that I've focused way more on the, this is about us making, making right what we made wrong. This is about something bigger than just your individual life. It's about the kingdom. It's about the world. It's about us working together with God to make the, to, to change the world basically. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, 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 I freaking love that, man. I, I, uh, I've recently similarly, like I just have come to this appreciation that the gospel is like a multifaceted gem. It's like a oh, diamond, yeah. right? Where you, you can just like shift it a half a degree and you'll see a, a whole new set of sparkles, right? Yeah. You'll see a whole new set of shine and glimmer on it. And I just believe that that's what life is. That's what we're meant to do is just take the gospel and just shift it ever so slightly and just just see all of the different ways that it shines, right? And and, yeah. and so I love, love, love uh, the way that you sh- you tell that story. I think it's it's another it's another way that the 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 sparkle is is is. Uh, you know, it's another way that the gem sparkles. And I, I just, I love that. I, I haven't yeah. heard that before and I really like it. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, and it, it even made me think about, you know, when we talk about old covenant and new covenant and we talk about, you know, after in acts, you know, it was like all of a sudden he was like, now the, the gospel, like now the kingdom is about inclusion and diversity. And I always think, look at that passage and go, well, is it now that that suddenly changed or was that God's plan all along? Or was it, cause you know, it talk about through in Romans, even it says, 
through Israel we receive it was through Israel that salvation came to the world. So it was like the whole and I look at like the grand narrative of scripture, it's like, you know, it's that we call it the new covenant, but was it was it actually like it wasn't as this God changed his mind. It was God this was his plan all along. And it was through Israel that this salvation would come to the world. That salvation, Jesus himself came to the world is through Israel. And so, and then through that, all others are included in that. I don't know. It's like, uh, my mind just keeps like, I'm going, going off on a million miles per hour, but um, it is, it's beautiful. And it's, it is, it's one of those things where you can, you talk about the gospel from a human perspective and, and the vernacular you use is going to be different than when you talk about the gospel from God's perspective, right? Yeah. So from from the human perspective, it, it what it was it used to be like this, and now it's like this. And from God's perspective, it's always been like this. Yeah, you just didn't you it was just didn't see it yet. to you. Yeah, yet. right. Yeah. yeah, and so I yeah I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, we you know we often strive even now we we strive for a world without racism. Uh, we know we talk about, you know, whether it's things, you know, people are talking about Black Lives Matter. Or they're, they're talking about just just ending racism just generally. And, you know, they, whether it's a very focused mission that you have or whether it's a vague mission that we have, ev- everyone, it, well, everyone in their right mind um, would want racism to end. But uh, something that I haven't asked enough is what does that actually look like? What does that actually look like in the world? So in in your opinion, you know, when you think of a world without racism, what does that actually look like? How does that world function differently than the world functions today? Well, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to paint that picture without without painting this basically the picture of the kingdom, right? Mm, like, yeah, I, I have a hard, you know, I have a really hard time picturing what that would look like on earth because in my mind, the the cure to racism and in the ultimate sense is, is a, a, a genuine relationship with Jesus and seeing other people to the lens of the God. Like to me, that's, yeah. that's what the cure to racism is. And so recognizing that, like, if we're talking about on earth as earth is right now, um, I don't, I, I guess I know what it would look like. It would look like, Nobody, you know, judging other people preconceived notions based on the color of their skin. And I'm not going to assume you're a threat just because you look a certain way or whatever. Right. That's what it would ultimately uh, be. And that's what it would look like. But um, I in order in terms of how we get there, what, what, what needs to happen in order to get there? Gosh, I mean, call me a stereotypical pastor, but I'm like, I think it, it'd be real. The best way we could possibly get there uh, yeah. would be for everybody to take on their true identity from they're standing before God instead of their race. I think that would, if you do that, that solves the issue right there because your yeah. your true identity, your true identity before God is going to kind of inform, like you said, it's the compass to all other aspects of your identity. And so you're not going to be a racist if you see yourself as a son or daughter of God. It's not possible. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's that's ultimately what it looks like in my mind. Uh, but you know, in terms of how we get there. I don't have a whole lot of solutions. If you want to hear me talk a, a whole lot about the gospel and Jesus, then feel free to ask me. But if you just want me to list practical ways that we get there, I just don't know how you legislate sin out of people. I just yeah. don't think it's possible. Yeah. So. Well, I think, you know, I even wonder if if you if you just took a random person who didn't know anything about 
God or the Bible or anything, and you ask them, what does a world without racism look like? Paint that picture for me. I wonder, this is a great social project, I wonder how many people would paint a picture of what the Bible describes as the kingdom of God without even knowing it. Like, yeah. they painted a world without racism, you're probably going to paint the kingdom of God. It's so so good. Yeah. And I just think that's because inherently within all of us, we know that there's something wrong with this world and God agrees. And I think if many of us read Revelation and we read what the new heaven and the new earth would look like, I think we would all find that is a pretty beautiful place is a place where every tear will be wiped away. There's no more sorrow, no more pain. The old ways have passed away. The old way is gone. The new way is here. God is the new way. It's the way where every tribe, tongue, and nation dwells together in harmony with God and all things are right. There's no more evil, no more greed, no more racism. None of all of it is gone because all that remains is all that comes from God, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, holiness, righteousness. It is it is the goodness, the gentleness, the the generosity, everything that is good comes from God. And that is what yeah. will be the world when evil is taken out of the picture. And that happens when the kingdom of God is fulfilled. Uh, and so, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think if someone were to paint a picture with a world without racism, without realizing that they'd probably end up painting a picture of God's kingdom. Um, what is, what is, what is just one thing you want people to know right now in the midst of all this is going on? What is just one thing you want people to know? Um, I want people to know that uh, their perception of reality uh, might seem normal to them, but that it's probably pretty flawed. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, that's, that's, gosh, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, your listeners have only have only been listening to me for an hour and they're already sick of me saying it, but like <laughs> talking about lenses, but like that really is that real. that's my, my thing. Like I just, I want people to know that the lens that they see through is, is colored, that it's off, that it's broken. Um, and so I, that the, the, the way their past experience, everyone's past experiences and everyone's wiring as a flawed human being, uh, means that, that we don't objectively see things uh, as uh, as accurately as we as we feel like we do, um, mm. and so I, I just I want people to know that that there is there is a correct lens, a correct set of lenses to see things through. And that correct set of lenses is the reality of what Jesus came to do for us. Um, that that is the reality that that reality should should color every other reality that we perceive in in this life. And yeah. so that's that's my whole thing. And so if you're if you are someone who is prone to feelings of anger and hurt and therefore revenge over what happened with Jordan, you just want to see uh, the officers involved suffer as much as possible. I understand where your anger comes from, but a gospel lens will lead you to pursue reconciliation as much as you pursue justice, because that's what God did for us when he sent Jesus. Right. So I think, and I think, you know, if you're someone who, you, you know, you, you, you think that none of this is a big deal and you think that we should just let it go. Like 
which doesn't seem to be the majority of people, but I just, you know, justice matters. It matters to God and it should matter to us. And mm-hmm. so I just, more than anything else, I want people um, to, to know that their perception of the world around them is not as objective as they think it is. And that the objectively correct lens or set of lenses is, is the gospel. So mm. that's good, man. That's good. Well, let's, let's get a little, a uh, little practical, um, for a second. So think about you have I've, I'd say right now you have two two camps of people. You have the first camp of people which is those who are um the first camp of people are those who are I guess fighting against racism and trying to are who are the protesters for lack of better words. Let's mm-hmm. put them in two camps. I'll just say protesters and witnesses. That's what I'm going to I I don't know if it's the right way to word it, but I'll just sum people up into two groups right now, protesters and those who are witnessing the protesting. And what is a in terms of this whole conversation of of racism and and all that's going on, what practical advice would you give to the pro, we'll 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 separate this into two questions. So, the what's some practical advice to those who are protesting and how would you, what advice would you give them um, to those who are protesting, who are trying to make their message heard and want it to be listened to? What kind of advice would you get to give them maybe based out of maybe things you've seen already and you're thinking that's just not the right way to do it? Or, you know, or maybe you've seen someone do something really good and you're like, they're doing a great job. I don't know. What advice would you give those who are trying to make their message heard right now? Yeah, I would say that, um, I would say that swinging, uh, swinging from one wrong to another, um, or a wrong for a wrong is, is not the way to to do things. Um, and so for, uh, protesters out there who are, uh, who are demanding that basically there are, there is a, a subset of people, um, within the black lives matter movement. It's definitely not the entirety of it, but there is a small subset who their, uh, desire is not just for things to be made right but the idea is like black people have been on the bottom for a long time and now it's black people's turn to be on top we Mm. should be the ones who are superior for a little while we should get a taste of what that feels like um and i'll say is i understand where that's coming from um but i just don't think it's right and so i think uh having the the perspective to be able to say that the right thing is good enough, that the right thing being done is good enough, that reconciliation is good enough, that an end to racist practices is good enough. And instead of pursuing treating other people poorly for a change, that we would just pursue reconciliation and be done with it. I think that's one piece of advice that I would give um, to the protesters. Yeah. So basically don't go from trying to end white supremacy that you're trying to create black supremacy for lack of better Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's good. And so what what kind of advice would you give those who are witnessing all of this, who are, you know, who are just being, who are witnessing all of it for like, yeah, who are witnessing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. I I would just say, I would say, um, I would say, listen, I would say two things. Um, the first one is, uh, is do some, do some internal digging. Um, 
you know, I, when I share my story about those tiny instances, small instances of racism, they're not going to make news headlines. They're not going to get the attention of the entire world. Right. But they happen. Um, I think sometimes when that stuff happens, it can be really almost imperceptible to the offender. And so I think, you know, there are a lot of us who probably would be very quick to say, I'm not I'm not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. And, and I'm not saying that any of those I'm, I, I have no reason to doubt that that is accurate. Right. I'm sure that that's accurate. However, I think when something like this happens and the entire country is around it, it's a really good opportunity for us to take a step back and do some inventory of our own heart. And just where are those tiny, tiny seeds of, of, of prejudice? Where are those, ti- where is the, those tiny things where you are a little bit afraid when you, when it's nighttime and you see a person who looks a certain way coming toward you down the street and you start thinking through scenarios in my head, what am I going to do? I'm going to karate chop them in the throat. They come at right. And like, yeah. when, when you do that, those same tiny seeds are the tiny seeds are it's the same stuff that leads to the George Floyd's. The difference is that you're not a police officer. You don't have the authority. You don't have the position of power, but it's all the same stuff. It's just that you're not in a position to act on it. And so I think we want to root out those tiny little seeds because we don't ever want to be in a situation where we have the ability and the freedom to act out on those things. And then we do it and we wind up doing something we never thought that we would ever do. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So uh, to summarize, this is what I hear you saying. Um, if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm hearing uh, for those who are witnessing all of this, take a moment to use it as an opportunity to examine yourself. Don't be quick yeah. to excuse yourself. Be quick to examine yourself. Yeah. Sweet, yeah. man. Well, uh, thank you again, Mike. Thank you again for just jumping into this series with us and just being able to have a good conversation and giving us a chance to talk about talk about just this whole conversation talk about race and i really appreciate you appreciate your story appreciate your ministry and for you listener a very grateful for you uh thank you for taking the time to listen to this series and and hopefully you're you're taking you're taking away some good thoughts and your your mind's stewing a little bit and it's causing you to reflect and it's causing you to examine yourself and so we're th- we're thankful for you and if if you listen on iTunes we would truly appreciate that if you take took a moment and you know reviewed our podcast give it give it a review add some comments what do you, do you like this podcast is it helpful for do you for you if if this is helpful for you then we the biggest way you can encourage us is to simply share this episode with one person just one person that you think would be impacted by this and you know one person at a time we're teaching others what it means to simply love jesus and so thank you again follow us on instagram or twitter and let us know how we can pray for you of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.